Well, I'm so thankful to be standing before you on this first Sunday of Advent. Uh, we have 29 sleeps till Christmas, 29 sleeps. I just wanted to let you know that in case you weren't, your Santa app wasn't on your phone. If it's not, you should probably download it, 29 sleeps. Uh, my favorite thing to do is after Christmas is to start counting down with my wife immediately the next day. Um, easy to figure out. Uh, I like everything about this season uh, from the sacred to the silly. And I was thinking about that on the way to church even this morning as one of the first things I saw was an over seven foot uh, inflatable reindeer uh, with a little elf next to it that said, don't feed the reindeer. And the the crazy thing is it's been up now for a few weeks. I mean, they they got it up early, which is the way it should be. And and as I was passing it, every time I I laugh, it's really ridiculous. Like I'm alone in my truck, I'm just laughing and I think if anyone else, yeah, I just let you all know. So now you know how crazy I am. (laughs) But then as I, as I finish my trek, you know, to the campus here and pull in, I see the life-size nativity set. And I think that's sort of my journey during this, this Christmas season, during this Advent season, right, is, is I like all the silly stuff, but really there's a reason for the season and to be reminded of that. And that's the whole purpose of Advent, why do we as a church participate in this tradition of Advent, this first Sunday, right, leading up to our Christmas Eve celebration? Well, it's because it's all about the anticipation, uh, of shared anticipation of gathering together in, in just really five Sundays, right, four Sundays from now, uh, to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's to remind us, so when everything's said and done, um, when, when all the gatherings sort of have, have brought us to our peak of, of people time, and I, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert, and I still have a peak of people time this time of year, and, and everything else that's going on, that, that there is a real purpose for the season. There's a real purpose in life, and so as we go through Advent, we, we look at hope, as we lit the hope candle this morning, love, joy, peace, and of course, the birth of Christ. In this series that we're going to be starting this morning, we're looking at sort of this, this great expectancy, this great expectancy, we're going to be looking at sort of expectant hope and expectant love and expectant joy and expected peace. Because I, I know this, that, that we expect something from life, all of us. In fact, if the scripture tells us that there's a peace of God within each and every one of us. And so there's this, this desire to, to have that relationship with him, whether we know it or not. In other words, let me put it this way. There's a God-sized void within all of us that can only be filled by him. And so when we look at, for instance, hope this morning and this, this first Sunday of Advent, we understand what we all sort of have hope for things. Maybe you hope to have a sane season. Maybe your, your hope is, is in this, that, and the other thing. And, and it's natural to have hope in, in much of life, and yet the reality of it is, is that if we put hope in anything other than Jesus Christ, it's going to let us down. That, that, that someone will say, well, I don't have hope, but you do have hope. Some of us have hope that, that somehow our jobs or career is going to fulfill us. Some of us have hope that that, that one relationship is going to make all the difference. Some of us have hope in things that, that are destructive to us. Let's be honest. We're addicted to things. You say, well, I don't put hope in it. You do. Your hope is that if I just can, can alleviate these thoughts or, or the pain just for a moment, and yet guess what? It all comes flooding back, doesn't it? 
The good news is this, is that if we keep searching, if we keep searching, we're going to find that true hope in something. More importantly, we're going to find that true hope in someone. I, I was thinking about this. It's, it's, imagine a, a, a parched traveler in a desert, desperately searching for an oasis. With each step, they anticipate relief from the oasis, from the oasis but, it, but it remains elusive. The scorching sun beats down, their, their water supply dwindles and exhaustion sets in. Their hope of, of quenching their thirst and finding salvation in an oasis becomes a beacon of unmet expectations. And it's in these moments that we can be brought to wonder, is there a genuine source of hope? Is there a fulfillment of this hope? I'm reminded of Jesus' words to the lady at the well. He had asked her for a drink, and, and she said to him, you know, why would you ask me for a drink? And he says, if you knew the one who asked you for the drink, you would ask me for the drink, because I would give you water if it's everlasting. I wonder this morning if some of us in this room aren't spiritually parched, searching to be fulfilled, daring to hope, daring to hope that perhaps there's something or someone who can feel our deepest longing. Christian hope is the confident and expectant belief in the promises of God, particularly in hope of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. And I was thinking about this, hope involves a firm trust in God's goodness, doesn't it? Like as a believer, we have to trust in his, his goodness and, and long for his presence and the assurance of this future blessing in accordance with the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. In other words, that as we look at the hope in Christ, it's, it's what we have today, but it's also what we're going to have when he returns. In fact, Advent isn't just about the first coming, it's about the second coming. When we fully get some theologians call it the, the fullness of our salvation. Because even now, we, we sort of live this life in Christ, but we live it in a fallen world. Have you realized that? Like, how many of you are, are looking forward to the day where there's no temptation? Only three of us? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. The day where there's no heartache, no pain, no tears. And, and so when Christ returns the fullness of our salvation, we get a foretaste today in the hope that we have in Christ. Hope is, this expected hope is, is found in the Old Testament. For instance, these two prophecies, Isaiah seven fourteen, we find these words, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, you shall call his name Emmanuel. This is one of my favorite Christmas passages. It's just one verse. And yet in this one verse is, is a promise, a, 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 a word of hope. But it's beyond really any true explanation that that word Emmanuel means God with us, God's very presence in our life. It, it doesn't just speak of the fact that when, when God sent his son that he dwelled among us, or as one, as one Bible translator worded it, that God moved into our neighborhood. I love that. It, it speaks of the fact that when we receive Christ as Lord and Savior, his very spirit indwells us. Can't get any closer than that. That God is with us. 24-7, no matter what we're going through, no matter what difficulties we face, the very power of God resides in us. Now, that's something to be hopeful for. And then later in Isaiah 9, 6, we read, For us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's fascinating to me that when, when God looked at the arrogance of the world, that the solution was a baby. When God looked at the arrogance of the world, that it was a child, his very own son, and, and because it's Jesus is God's son, he's what? He's mighty God. He's, he can be father to his people. I've said this many times when people think of, of Jesus Christ and his coming and giving us this access to our heavenly father. And, and maybe when you were growing up, you had an absent father or maybe your father wasn't a great role model. And I've had people talk to me and say, I have a hard time seeing God as my father because I had such a poor example of one. And every time I say to them, don't think of God as your father, think of God as the perfect father. In fact, no matter how many of us dads try to be as good as we can, God is far greater than us. He's a father to us. Christ can bring to those who, who receive him a lasting peace, the scripture says, and counsel that's wonderful. I love that. Counsel that's wonderful. Have you ever gotten some bad counsel? God's counsel is perfect. It's perfect. I mean, that's something to hope in. And, and, and you have to sort of picture these Old Testament prophecies. And for thousands of years, thousands of years, God's people were in this hopeful expectation that the Messiah would come. And he does. Look at Luke 1, 26 through 33. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him a name, will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there is no end. Think about that proclamation. First of all, picture being Mary. <laughs> so many times, we, we, I mean, we can just sort of read over that in scripture. Have you ever done that? You sort of read over the Christmas story and you go, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I mean, here's Mary and the angel comes up and she's terrified, right? And what, who wouldn't be? And, and the angel says, every time an angel appears and scares people, they say, don't be afraid. Yeah, right. He says, this is what's going to happen. I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you. And I wonder, I wonder this morning, I wonder this morning if that, if that really sinks in. But just as God chose Mary to do something quite remarkable, this, this miracle of miracles where, where God literally, Christ humbles himself and takes upon his divinity, humanity, and born in the most modest of means, Right? that we worship a humble God. Let that sink in for a minute. But just as God chose Mary, he chooses to be in relationship with you. You say, with me, yes, for God so loved the world. You. He chooses to be in relationship with you. And he's great for, for three reasons in this verse. We could spend all morning talking about the reasons that Christ is great. But in this verse, first of all, he's the son of the most high. That Jesus is God himself. Jesus is great because he, he's going to sit on the throne of David. This is the eternal throne of David. And he's great because unlike human kingdoms, his kingdom will never cease to reign. 
What do you think about that? When we look at world politics, especially right now, it's a little crazy out there. Have you realized that? If you haven't, God bless you. (laughs) But it's crazy out there. But you know what? The kingdoms of the world come and go. But God's kingdom is everlasting. As much as I want to be a great citizen of this country, my first citizenship resides in heaven. And it makes all the difference. My hope isn't in governments. My hope isn't in things or the stuff of this earth. My hope is found in Jesus Christ. The only one who can fill that that void that's within each and every one of us. And we got to fight to keep that hope. We got to fight to keep that focus. Just like passing that seven foot deer makes me laugh. I have to remember the manger scene. I got to remember Christ in the midst of the things that are going on all around me. And in this season, especially, because there's things like commercialism and stress that can rob us of the hope we have in Jesus. Now, by the way, I, I, I like all that a little bit. I'll be honest with you. I was at the mall twice in the last two days. Uh, not in the morning Friday. That's someone else's job. I went later. Last night, I was there with my grandson and all the lights, all these things going on. He was just, oh man, he was just taken back by his three. And the only question he asked me was, Pop up, how did they get that car in the mall? <laughs> I had no idea. And so I had to say to him, I'm not sure. They bring it in at night, I think. And he said, we should come back at night so you can find out. <laughs> all right, yeah, we should. But in the midst of all the commercialism, we can lose sight of the hope we have in Christ. We can, the pressure to decorate and the pressure to, to, to get to that special gathering, all the stress that comes with it. And I just want to encourage you, during this season, don't let the commercialization and stress keep you from the hope you have in Jesus. Be mindful of who he is. There's loneliness. Those who are isolated from family and those who are dealing with grief of maybe broken relationships. Now, loneliness is real and it's deep. As, as much as some of us, this is the greatest time of the year. For others of us, it's not such a great time of the year. And I just want to let you know you're not alone. You have a church family here. More importantly, you have the Lord. Focus on him. Let, let, let one another, let us encourage one another during this time. There's expectations. The perfect Christmas gatherings. You know? There's not going to be any arguments this year. You know, I, I think if you put up a Christmas tree and you don't argue a little bit, then you haven't really done it right. You know? But with all those expectations, the reality of it is we set ourselves up so many times for failure, don't we? The only one who doesn't fail our expectations is Christ. Spiritual emptiness. Many people celebrate Christmas and don't even know why. They think it's about all these other things, and yet the reality of it is without Jesus, there'd be no Christmas. In fact, I love it. It was was a time where people got upset if you use X instead of Christ for Christmas, but X is actually the Greek Greek, phrase actually character that that represents Christ and so you can't really even cross Christ out of Christmas you know he's just sort of always there but a lot of people don't know that I just want to encourage you this morning that if if you're celebrating Christmas and Christ isn't a part of it you're missing the point you're missing the power you're missing the hope family conflicts over commitment seasonal depression all these things are so real and so important that we don't just sort of look over these things They're legitimate difficulties. 
But yet the reality of it is we gather this morning because there is one who can bring healing in the midst of all these things. And, and that as his church, we're to be here to encourage each other. So as you're smiling at Christmas, if you're like me, look for the ones who aren't and encourage them. Not like in an annoying way, by the way. But in a loving way. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Help us be focused on the one who, who gives us this amazing opportunity to have genuine hope. And in fact, genuine hope is found and only found in Jesus Christ. Found and only found in Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the Father, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I love that phrase, living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A, a living hope. That, that Christian hope is not some wishful thinking, but living hope rooted in the one, Jesus Christ, who has come, died for our sins, risen for our salvation. And, and our expectant hope is found in, again, only found in Jesus Christ the hope that Christ brings to the world, to each of us, is, is profound, but it's also enduring. It's enduring. It's a sure thing. Many years ago, I had a friend who was leading a small group, and he asked if I would visit it, because a couple of the guys in the group, when he asked the question, you know, are, are you saved in Christ? They said, I hope so. And so he said, would you come and, and explain to them that they don't have to sort of hope so? They can be sure. I said, well, no. I said, I'll explain it to you, and you can explain it to them. You're their small group leader. They don't need me. He said, fair enough. And we spent time in the Word, and he went and shared it with them, and they said, oh, so it's a sure hope then. It's like a guarantee. I said, yeah. It's not like, you know, he said to him, it's not like I wasn't say it this way, like I hope it doesn't rain today. It's, it's I know, I know, I know who I am in Jesus, that's sure hope. That's Christian hope. That's, that's the hope that, that allows us to face difficulties, the hope that gives us the ability to, to, to stand up, not, not proud in who we are, but very confident in who we are in Jesus Christ. And, and no matter what the world has told you, no matter what you think about yourself, as you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're a child of the King. The resources of heaven are at your disposal. There's healing in Jesus. There's deliverance in Jesus. There's strength in Jesus. What hope? I think of this hope. It's a spiritual hope. It's a hope that allows us to experience the forgiveness of Christ, redemption and, and salvation. I love the redemption that, that we have in Jesus. And I love even at Christmas time, there are things that we have that speak of his redemption. People say, well, why do we have Christmas trees in the church? That's, that's not a Christian symbol. Oh, but it is. One of my favorite ones. Redeemed from pagan culture, claimed by Christians. The evergreen showing everlasting life. The light showing the light of Christ. The, the ornaments showing the very gift of Jesus. You'll never look at a Christmas tree the same again. Christianity is all about redemption. The very date that we use to celebrate the time of Christ, spoiler alert, we're not really sure what day he was born. But it was a date used within the pagan world to celebrate something else, and Christians said, you know what, that's a pretty good celebration, but you're celebrating the wrong thing. That's the day we're going to choose to celebrate Jesus. Redemption. 
There are people who live as if certain days and certain things can be, can be claimed by other people. And, and God says, no, I'm going to redeem that and use it for something good. God brings beauty out of ashes. I love that. Getting a little excited this morning. This hope we have in Christ is hope in suffering. Think about it. The story of Christ's suffering, his crucifixion, his resurrection demonstrates that even in the face of immense pain and adversity, that hope transforms even the heartaches into something brilliant and beautiful. Think about that. You say, well, you're giving an Easter message at the first Sunday of Advent. Well, you can't separate what Christ has done from his coming. He came to do that work. Amen? Hope for the future. I love that. Hope for the future. We find hope in Christ and Christ alone. And we look at that first Peter verse. There's hope there. There's hope for the future. Hope for the future like now future. Like we get to be the light of Christ in the dark places. When people say, where is Jesus? Where is God in the midst of the darkness? The real question is, where is the church? Where are his hands and feet? Where the church is present, the light of Christ should be shining brightly. Come on now. And then there's hope for the future in the sense of when Christ returns. There's hope for community and fellowship. Again, that void within us can only be filled with Christ. But, but, I, but I have to remind you that when you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to being part of his church. I've heard people say, I, I like Jesus, I just don't like the church. And I'm like, well, the church is the bride of Christ. You may, may not want to mess with her because Jesus loves his bride. Come on now. You can have a problem with me all you want, but then you got to deal with the one who's, who's on my side. Doesn't mean I'm always right, by the way. The scripture tells us to bear with one another. Why? Because sometimes we're bears and we got to bear with one another. We got to care for each other. Got to work through difficulties. Why? Because Jesus is a hope of community and fellowship. Overall, the hope that Christ brings to the world is a message of love, grace, and the possibility of transformation, both individually and collectively. The where cultures embrace Jesus, that culture will change. Let's bring it down. Where an individual embraces Jesus, that individual will change. Where a family embraces Jesus, that family will change. Where are you at with Jesus this morning? Where's your hope? That this understanding of Christ has been a hope of inspiration and solace for countless people throughout history. From the very beginning. The first foretelling of Christ's coming happened right after the fall. So from the very beginning, when we needed a savior, God said, one is coming and he is here, church. Jesus. Hope of the world. I was trying to wrap my mind around this a little bit. And I was thinking as children, I think we all maybe had desired the perfect gift. It was funny, this, this past week, my, my brother sent me a meme and uh, he grew up when the G.I. Joe uh, action figures were sort of, they weren't dolls, they were action figures. <laughs> and when they had the action figures, and, and he always wanted the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Now, if you weren't raised in the 80s, first of all, I feel bad for you, because uh, you missed the greatest generation of all time. But, but, but besides that, you don't know the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. I mean, it was a huge, huge toy that no kid I knew ever got because it was really expensive. And uh, he, every year, for, for at least three or four years until he sort of gave up a little bit, he, he asked for that thing. And every, every, every Christmas, 
God love him, man. He would go there and he would, he would look and he would look at the boxes. And yeah, it wasn't there. So he sent me a meme and he said, I still, I don't know who came up with this. I'm still thinking that maybe Santa will bring me the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. <laughs> Keep thinking. Keep wishing. But we all have been there as kids, right? We, we, we understand what it's like to want that perfect gift and, and the hope that it would be there. And then Christmas morning we get there and guess what? It's not there. One Christmas, when Chris and I first got married, it was our very first Christmas, I wanted a CD player, and I thought, this is going to be great. And I opened up the first present, and it was a CD, and I thought, oh my goodness, she had to have gotten me a CD player, because I didn't have one yet. You guys know what CDs are, right? Some of you young, okay. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, man, I'm aging myself this morning. God help me. I have hope that you'll put up with it. But, uh, but, here, but here I was, and I, thought, and, and I didn't get it. And I thought, well, that's great. We're going to go down to my parents. I bet you they got me it. I didn't get one. I got a Christmas CD on Christmas Day that I couldn't use for a year and couldn't use because I didn't have a CD player. Oh, this is a cruel joke. But we've been there. But you know what the thing is? Maybe we got the toy. But you know what? Quickly, we get disillusioned by it and we want something bigger and better anyway, right? So that's how we go through life without Jesus. Bigger, better, something new. Unmet expectations. But I'm here to tell you this morning, one who's come who can go exceedingly beyond your expectations. The hope of the world, Jesus Christ. I was thinking about this, just as Mary was presented with this birth announcement of hope, where she trusted in God, which led her to the stable where Jesus was born and the Christ child was laid, we too, we too, can find our way through life's challenges and uncertainties by trusting in Christ as Savior and Lord. I started off by saying that the bad news was sort of, you know, the hope that we look for in the world is, is lacking. It's going to leave us wanting. But if we truly search, we can find that hope in something, or more importantly, someone. And I want to share with you this morning that perhaps God brought you here. Perhaps you're watching online or in the chapel. Because Christ just wants you to know where to find the hope. It's in him. It's in him. Wherever you find yourself, that void that you have can only be filled by him. In Christ, we find our expectant hope and our, our reason for celebration. Christ is the gift of hope. Christ is the gift of hope. So I want to encourage you this first Sunday of Advent. Hope Sunday. Expect and hope. But it's really yours for the receiving. It's yours for the receiving. No matter who you are, no matter what, you, what, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've tried to search for it, no matter how disappointed you've been, you can come to Jesus. Whether you've yet to receive him, you can do that this morning, or whether you've received him and you've gotten your eyes off of him, this morning you can, you can be right perspective in front of him, church. But this Christmas season can be a game changer for all of us. And not just for us, but the hope that we find in Christ is a hope we're supposed to spread to the world around us. Places where we live, where we work, where we go to school, where we play. Yeah, even at the mall. The hope of Jesus. Have you received it? Are you focused on him? 
Jesus is holding his hand out. Are you willing to grasp it? Let's pray. Father God, I'm in all of you. I'm in all of the precious gift of our Lord and Savior. How Jesus humbled himself. He chose to come. The place upon his divinity, humanity to be born. <laughs> to be born. And then to be born in such modest means. To live a perfect life with a mission to die for our sins, to be resurrected for our sal salvation. For the ascended, he's preparing a place for us. He's going to come back and take us home. But, but as we say yes to Jesus, we actually receive his very spirit within us. We're never alone. Emmanuel, God is with us. What hope we have in Jesus. And I pray, Father God, that if there's anybody who's yet to receive him in the sound of my voice, but even now, in the quietness of their heart, they'd say, Lord Jesus, I receive you as Lord and Savior. Fill the void within me. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. All of heaven rejoices with that decision. All of heaven applauds when just one enters into the kingdom through Christ. Father, I pray for those during this season who, who are dealing with hurts, Lord God, who are, who are dealing with, with perhaps, you know, habits and hangups and, and all the things, Lord God, that the stuff of earth can draw us into. Would we call out to you as our deliverer, as our restorer? May we not allow ourselves to to hide behind a, a fake smile, but be real with at least one or two believers that, that through prayer and, and encouragement, Lord God, we know you, you've, you've asked us to enter into this relationship with you, but as we do that, we enter into a relationship with one another because you've created us to do life with you and together. May we not be alone in this journey. May we recognize the, the power of you and your church in our life. God, I can't wait to see where you take us on this Advent journey this year. I thank you where we've started because you are our hope. May we leave here understanding that, embracing that, ready to share that. In Jesus' name, amen.